0: Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we had Shirley Coyle in studio from Crete talking circadian lighting. Greg, man, that was a good conversation.
1: Yeah, great conversation, an interesting product, and it'll uh, be exciting to see where that goes in the future. You know what's interesting about that is the idea of a troffer as like...
0: Troffer as... It's almost like... I'll let you listen to the show, folks, but <laughs> it's it, this is interesting. This is a really interesting... Um, uh, podcast, and if you're into troffers, <laughs> and I am, <laughs> so there you go. And just most of the guys, yeah, most of the guys that listen into this podcast and listen into this podcast, they're into troffers too. Hey, uh, producer here, just cutting in to say that wow, yes, the cadent is troffer shaped and replaces a troffer. It's not really a troffer; it's its own whole category of thing. We're going to come up with a catchy name for it pretty quick, or someone will. In the meantime, back to the show. <laughs> this episode of the show is brought to you by Kurtzon Specification grade, million hours in business. You got to go to Kurtzon.com. That's K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com. Greggy, kurtzon.com.
1: That's right. We know about their unique product line that they have. And in addition, now they're getting into the circadian lighting area. They partnered with BIOS, who was originally established for the International Space Station to work with astronauts and in space and figuring out how they can keep to a circadian rhythm with their lighting that they have, because it's all indoors. And now they are putting it in their fixtures. Kurtzon has that capability in many of their fixtures. So check those out. What an awesome solution for a spec grade fixture. Now you can make it spec grade and circadian friendly. Whew. Get them.
0: Go to, go to the specification grade Kings. That's Kurt Song with dot K-K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com. Maybe over a million hours in business. And of course this episode of the podcast and every single one we have done it all started with the national association of innovative lighting distributors folks our convention april 19th to 23rd check out the itinerary it will be linked on the podcast here. this one is hot man it is hot we're coming in with a wicked wicked itinerary it's going to be super tight you're going to learn a lot you're going to have some fun come on folks naild.org check out the itinerary and register now distributors especially come on out but for right now Shirley Coyle Cree Lighting check it out get a grip on lighting
2: welcome to the get a grip on lighting podcast Shirley Coyle thanks very much I'm really happy to be here Michael
0: say hi to Greg
1: Garrick who's
2: remote hey, Greg nice to see you I
1: nice see you thanks for coming in studio always like having that
2: yeah appreciate, appreciate being there
0: so it's always better in person
1: yeah. um
0: so you walked into a light bulb store, mm-hmm. so you're you're in the trenches of the lighting business, right? Right. So a lot of times when we're talking, and we're here to talk about health and wellness in the lighting and from lighting technology from from electric light sources, sure. And you're at the place where people are right in front of the end user. So contractors and customers come into this store, and Greg, mm-hmm. um, he's not as big a counter guy as a lot of nail members, but he's yeah. his people are in front of um, uh, people that are going to buy these fixtures. Right. And I think this industry is really ready for a non-energy payback message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of notes there. <laughs> <laughs> where are we at when it comes to health and wellness? And are we at a point where people that are, you know, ivory tower stuff at conventions is great, right. but people in front of customers are, are gonna be able to say, you should do this, and here are the reasons why.
2: Right, so I would say, first of all, the reason for all my notes is that I'm not a I'm not a researcher, I'm mm-hmm. not an academic, um, so uh, my goal here is to try to see what I've seen at some of those conferences, what we're seeing in the IES, the Illuminating Engineering Society, some of our committee work, um, and what I'm seeing when I'm out talking to lighting designers and lighting consultants. Uh, on this and what kind of demands the people who are designing buildings are getting right now. So I don't think it's probably flowed as far as the uh, electrical contractor walking in to to buy product yet, but it, people are hearing about it. And I do think it's the sort of silver lining or the positive that we can see as we've, uh, all of us in this, uh, in the big LED conversion have kind of driven down the Pricing and margins along the way, the profitability. So there's a lot of good enough product out there. Mm. A lot of um, it's difficult to differentiate in a lot of cases. So I think this whole aspect of lighting for that something other than just being able to see a piece of paper or see our surroundings to move around. This is the is a really positive um, stage that we're going into for lighting, uh, just because it is going to be something where there is more value to sell in lighting um, where we can make an impact a much bigger impact than we have say just in 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 the visual acuity part of things where we're just lighting to see tasks so i would say it's it's at a still at a rapidly evolving stage so it's very fluid um so some of the things i wanted to go through is just sort of what are we talking about why why do we want to do this uh what's the research saying right now um are there standards and then you know what can we what are we comfortable doing right now that and and what do we think we should hang back on right as far as uh, waiting for more more research, more information i'm going to I'm going kind of speak to Greg here yeah. and you at, and, and you together here. So I think we
0: know that we can hurt people with lighting.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a big concern among all the uh, lighting community that we don't want to do any harm, for sure. Um, The reality is we're already putting lighting into spaces every day and people are living and working and um, socializing and getting health care under the lighting that we're putting out there. So we're already having an impact. Uh, What's been really amazing is finding out how big an impact and it's not just circadian lighting. It's just not it's not just resetting our clock. Uh, There's a lot more to it than that Mm -hmm. as we find out. So that's one of the reasons it's been difficult to come up with standards right away just because as the research comes out, we find out it's more and more complex than sure. what we thought. You know, I had Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer yes, Beach in here. I saw that now. And, uh, it was an incredible honor actually. Oh, she's
0: amazing. It, yeah, Amazing. And she talked a little bit about integrative lighting. Was that yes. the term she threw That's out? That's the CIE's term. Yeah. yeah. And she talked, um, uh, we also spoke about what light is, you yes. know, we're kind of like fish figuring we're out <laughs> yeah. in water in a way. Right. Um, and so, but, so we know we can hurt people with Flickr. We know, we, you know, this is um, that, you know, uh, that that's an issue that, you know, we don't want to have that. We know how casinos work. Mm. We know that casinos are basically circadian rhythm disruptors. Mm. Like that's part of their, they've known this for years, that if you shine white light directly into people's eyes, it causes some sort of hypnosis effect. Right. right. right it's part of the effect of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we're, we're kind of al- carving away and eliminating those bad effects. And sometimes we reintroduce them like we did with LEDs and Flickr, which we're, we got rid of with T8s. But now, um, you know, there's, there's talk about, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, Uta Besenekar talked about uh, mm-hmm. supplements. It's more like a supplement.
2: Right. Right.
0: Um, that's how they, uh, she described it. And Most scientists are very, you know, a little bit standoffish mm-hmm. from claims. Um, and we know that good interior design makes people feel better. Right. So if you're in a well-designed space, it feels good. But where's the jumping off point, is, if there is one, is, is there yet, where you know, people are going to start having this in upgrade proposals, that there's mm. some sort of payback there? Are we at that point yet, Shirley?
2: I think we're seeing some demand from the development industry, certainly from um, large employers. Um, you definitely see um, requests for the well-building standard so we can Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit that's uh, it's a a voluntary building standard um, that's come out and the idea of it is to it lighting is only one of 10 different concepts within the well-building standard but it's things like air and thermal condition and uh, access access to um, uh, good food um, being able to move in the space so lighting is one of the conditions and the reason that somebody might design their building that standard is it's it's meant to make your employees healthier and more productive, um, to make your property um, more appealing. You know that you can you can get people to come and rent or lease your space because you're well building, listed um, to increase the value of the property um, and to retain employees along the way. So I think there are some. When we look at, and it gets talked about a lot these days, the energy cost of operating any business is really very small compared to the people cost of the building. So, if we can start having impact on on retaining employees, attracting employees, and making them more productive and feel better about working, that can have a, a much bigger impact. Um, so,
1: where are you seeing the demand for the well building? Because we had <clears throat> we had a guest on that we talked to about. Uh, well-building standards. And it sounded like, if I remember right, Mike, maybe you can correct me, but it was in Europe more prominently than it was in North America. Are you seeing that shift? Is it still worldwide or is it in certain areas that you're seeing more?
2: I would say in North America, we're seeing it um, more in the major, um, I would say uh, some of the markets like San Francisco, LA, New York. um, So tend to be larger employers, um, sort of the, the, top 100 employers, big employers. I think the GSA um, is looking at it. They've certainly been participating in, uh, in terms of standards, the IES, Jennifer Veach is part of that committee, our health and um, human health, light and human health committee. And then the on the on there's another standard that just came out this week that's from UL. It's the first time they've done mm-hmm. a lighting standard. Um, that was not a consensus-based standard in the same way. It's not an ANSI standard, but... Um, uh, there is certainly uh, participation there from the GSA, so I think there are large employers looking at this, trying to be more holistic. And I think for for most of us, the reality is that um, as we've learned more about the inputs that light, light give to our uh, different systems, not just circadian, but our other biological and behavioral, that we find out that we're the most of us are spending most of our days in under lighted spaces. So even what our recommended standards are for being able to see a task on the table or to navigate around a space is not high enough to actually reset uh, what our body needs during the day. So we know that, you know, most of us spend 90% of our time indoors. We're not getting enough light. And then when we're at home in the evening, we're getting far more light than we were ever programmed to get. Um, so, so there are some basic things right now where, uh, we probably need to deliver more light, uh, at least in the morning, um, for spaces that, especially that people sleep in, it's different if uh, somebody's only coming in, say, for a few hours into a space. I think it'll be spaces where we're seeing the uptick. Uh, Greg is really for uh, healthcare spaces where people live there full time and maybe don't have access they can't mm. get up and go outside. You know, so somebody who's in a care facility, say, an Alzheimer's uh, care facility, uh, uh, long long term healthcare where people are assisted and and can't necessarily get out and mm in spaces where people have to live and sleep, say in intensive care places where they're gonna be inside and have no access to daylight for long periods. I think those will be the first areas that we move um, because if somebody's only coming into work for those eight hours, you really have no control over what other light exposure they get before or after work. So it doesn't really make sense to affect them. But if somebody has to sleep in that space and be there 24 hours, that seems to be where the researchers are saying those are the first spaces to tackle.
1: Do you think, uh, how about existing versus new buildings? I understand new buildings, it makes sense all day to consider, but an existing building that has a lighting system, is this something you're seeing equal um, demand for? Or
2: I would see, less? we've we've seen, when we're out talking to the specification of the lighting design community, they indicate it's mostly new construction, but then big operators of existing, um, um like the GSA um Government services in the U.S. They um, they definitely have a big inventory of existing buildings, and it's often a problem in those buildings that they were designed under the old uh, old school, where private offices probably ringed the windows, all the 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 rest of the employee workforce is in the middle of the building, not getting much access to daylight. Uh, and we're not talking about really complex systems. Sure, there there are really uh, some interesting products coming out in this, but you can do it just with. So there are two ways to affect it. It's either intensity, so just being able to have something that's a dimmed fixture that maybe has a higher capacity so you can bump up the light level uh, because it's about the amount of light getting into the eyes of the people. So you got to do the calculations a little bit differently, a plane of light at wherever you think people are looking because it's got to get into their retinas. Uh, So all you need to do is boost the light level. There are some of the researchers that just say, we don't need all this color tuning stuff, just increase the light level for... Two or three hours in the in the late morning, Uh, uh, and the other thing is, if you're doing a renovation, most products these days do have dimming, dimming uh, because we can do it so much more easily with LED. A lot of them have color tuning as well, where you can they're still white, tunable white, it's often called, where you can move from say something warmer in the morning at a lower level, go up to something higher midday, and then warm it up again at the end of the day. So here's your
1: opinion. Oh, you go uh, ahead, Greg. You finish up your roll. Yeah, in your opinion, is is dimming more important or light intensity or color tuning in terms of the health effects of lighting?
2: You can accomplish, it seems from the research, um, the amount of light we need in either way. So you either need just, even if your light isn't tunable for color, you can just, if you have the space and you know, the amount of light your fixture, your light fixture can put out, you can increase it to get enough light if if the fixture is designed so in a space like this we've got indirect lighting it'd be really challenging to get the amount of light into your eyes if it's if it's bouncing off the ceiling first so part of it is so it's 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 a bunch of different things it's the amount of light if you can do it with, with that it's it's the duration um it's the spectral content so how much of the short wavelength what we tend to call blue light how much of that is in there um, and then the distribution of the fixture, and then what kind of exposure has that person already had today? So um, part of it is is a history, and the complexity is that everybody's a little bit different. So it's hard. You've, you've got to sort of pick something in in the middle, and uh, and at least increase. We know we could use more. The other thing is the uh, simple advice is get up and get outside for ten. Ten or fifteen minutes well, every morning.
0: I, I got an issue. I got to pick something on my list here, a new direction to go with this show because I got a, I got a ton of things. Okay, so one of the, one of the interesting parts for me that has kind of occurred to me multiple times on this show. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that for my whole life, I'm forty two. Right. I've been told that the sun is bad for me. Yeah. Okay. I've been told to wear sunscreen. Mm-hmm. I've been told to wear sunglasses. Right. And I've been told this by marketing from, you know, sunglasses companies and sunscreen companies, and it right. seems to be ever higher, ever more. Mm-hmm. Right. And I believe a lot of the sun damage arguments. Sure, right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that those are false. But what's interesting now is are, are people that are sensitive to, to high levels of light, are they now going to wear sunglasses inside? And I'm not asking you this question, but you're, 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 you're we're bringing up making light brighter. We're bringing up, um, shining uh, vertical foot candles into people's eyes. Right. People do not like this. And I'll tell you right now. Sure. I've been in this game for almost 20 years. Right. And um, I know that people do not like vertical light coming in their eyes. Right. And uh, I know this from building many different lighting systems for people. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know,
0: I know that office workers, not fact- factory workers and mm-hmm. warehousing workers, they like lots of light. Right. Okay. But I know that office workers can be very, very particular. Sure. Yeah. About bright lights, not wanting bright lights, uh, wanting, uh, taking, you know, we'll do a relamp. people will take tubes out of their fixtures, will climb on their desks to take tubes out of their fixtures. And so, there's, are we biased as an industry? Like, are we reaching for something that um, maybe people don't care about that much?
2: Well, it's possible. I I totally agree with you that people hate glare um, Mm -hmm. and flicker, as you mentioned earlier. I think it's going to be challenging for us because as we've tried to put in metrics and and sort of measurements for luminaires that keep glare out and try to do indirect designs, that kind of thing, the challenge is we're now not getting enough light. But I, I mean, if you think about us walking out into a sunny morning, you know, it's Ten thousand times more than the light we have in here, and we don't, you know, you know, obviously our our pupils are going to uh, contract, and we will end up. Um, we we manage it. We can. We have this amazing eye that can then move through very very uh, different light levels, big big changes, step changes. But we have to get better at how we design the luminaires to create some some more light, and you can do it without making the space uncomfortable. And we're only talking. That sort of, as you get to that middle of the day when there should be a bunch of sort of bright daylight, I, I think some of the prototypes we've seen are luminaires sitting right on the computer, you know, shining back sure. in the people's eyes. And I can't imagine most of us wanting to sit under that. But I would say some of the technology we're seeing, it's really how you design the luminaire. If you can make something luminous and just lift the whole light level, but it's comfortable, um, I think that that we'll be able to do of that people, make people feel good. Some of the Some of the testing that we've done in terms of a a dynamic skylight type of product. If you uh we ran people through a simulation at our at Light Fair, the big show where we had uh people go through sort of a two minute um program where it would go into darkness and rain, um, and the it went gray and then it came back up again, was quite bright. And people made the comment at the end of it, Wow, that felt great when the sun came out again, you know, when it mm. when it felt bright again. So I think if it's done well, you can there is some kind of, you know, whether it's, you know, not not making health claims, but just the way people feel when they are getting a lift, that there's more light when they expect it, sort of the end of the day. You don't want to be blasted with that first thing in the morning. But it happens very gradually over time. So you're not going to notice that it's suddenly gone to to a, a cooler light and lots of it. So we know that um, Adam Lillian, you're talking about a UL, I think he's leading that program.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he had brought up that... Uh, what was interesting was that um, they, he had looked at 200 different studies of natural light in classrooms. mm mm-hmm. And windows and sky, uh, skylights in classrooms correlate to higher test scores. Right. Okay? But what he said was interesting from his findings is so do sun tunnels.
2: Hmm. Okay.
0: So sun tunnels emi- eliminate kind of your view right. of the outside. Right. So that's a bizarre finding. So That means there's something to natural light. We don't know, mm-hmm. but that in these studies has correlated to higher test scores or higher productivity, or I can't remember exactly what he had, right. had said, but there's a correlation. Now, we don't know if it's causational, mm-hmm. but sun tunnels throws, throws the, oh, people like to look out the window or people like to look outside. It throws it out, right? It's like, well, why are sun tunnels right. helping? Um, so something's interesting going on there. What I want to ask is, and I've seen the product, the Cadient product, mm-hmm. okay, is replicating the color and the change of light levels and this sort of thing, is replicating it going to be the same thing?
2: No, definitely not the same thing. And that's definitely not the claim. You know, we're putting it out there as solving a problem in spaces deep inside buildings where you have no access to natural light and no chance for, a. (laughs) so absolutely the very first thing that you want when you're designing a building or setting it up for people is to take advantage of daylight and have the real views and the real daylight in spaces where you can't do that. So it's a lab in an interior of a space. It's a, an employee break room that's in the middle of the building core. It's a subterranean level where you've got offices or a conference room that has no windows and people have to sit in there all day. The idea of this product was to, you know, there are there are other skylights out there, but where you can't put in an actual skylight and there are other electric skylights out there. But the difference in this is and and it was about a five-year project for our um, Santa Barbara um, research team, was f- how much do you need to break the ceiling plane? So it has about a five-inch regress. And then the top panel kind of simulates a sky feeling, and it's not, there aren't clouds on it or anything. It's it's done with cyan blue LEDs. Um, so it has a very blue intent. So when you look at it across the room and the way the light comes in and the side panels feel like the sun, and what's different about them is that, there's actually movement in the fixture. And that's part of what gives people a sense that feels like daylight because it's not just gradually tuning color and the whole thing changes and, and goes back down. It's that these panels are brighter in the morning, like the, as though the sun is touching that side. And the sky gets cooler and cooler to midday. And then it's all evenly illuminated midday, all the panels. And then as it goes into the afternoon, these panels get warmer as, a, as the sky gets uh, warmer again too so it gives a sense of movement it breaks the ceiling plane and just gives a little sense of daylight so it wouldn't be your main luminaire in the in the building it's in that space it would just be something to supplement you could have the other if you had linear uh, luminaires or troffers you could have them also tracking on the same change of from warm to cool but they wouldn't have the sky effect in them that's the difference so just to give a
1: sense yeah you're saying the, the
2: movement part of it is the important thing and breaking the ceiling plane and having kind of a sky in there. But yeah, okay. it is what's different about it from anything else that's out there is really the movement from one side to the other. And you can program that if if the way you have the luminaires and installed, you want it to go from east to west or whatever whatever people want in terms of... But it does get a lot of light out at very high angles uh, because a lot of the light is coming out of the side panels. So that's the kind of light you need to, to be able to hit the well building or other circadian standards. You need to get a fair amount of light that's coming out vertically and it doesn't feel intense because it feels more like a skylight. Um,
1: And I think you, you said that whatever people want, but I don't think people really know what they want. So I assume you guys are going in and saying, this is what you should do when you put these in. Is that correct? It's
2: possible. We, it only launched, uh, uh, just, uh, just in the uh, late fall and we, we basically spent maybe three different, uh, rounds of light fair talking to the lighting design community who are working on these spaces saying what do you need does it need this does it have to have the movement can we get rid of that because obviously there's complexity when you do that because mm-hmm. you've got a driver for for the sky a driver for each of the two sides so um but that was the feedback we got from them Well, no this really feels like it's something different the other one just feels like a regular color tuning uh chopper fixture so um where we're taking it out now and showing people it's mainly to the people who are designing those buildings so and the reaction has been oh my gosh you know this solves a problem in areas where we don't have another tool to do this right now so
0: so lighting designers are always like are, are very are very susceptible to the latest and greatest
2: okay yeah sure
0: and i, I mean that's the I'm kind of insulting them i don't mean <laughs> it that way i don't mean greg you, you know what i mean though right they, they're, yeah, they're they're I reaching do. they're reaching for the you know the latest design concept there that's where they they exist in that world mm. right distributors you know would be more um in the in the proven and reliable area yeah. of of the lighting i think this is super fascinating and one of the notes that i wrote um uh when we when you were speaking was this wouldn't it be interesting greg if the entire thing got turned on its head and what i mean is this mm. So lighting has been driving energy efficiency for two decades, right. first with high efficiency fluorescent, then to LED. And so we have been responsible for probably, I don't know what the percentage is, but the vast majority of energy savings in our industrial facilities mm-hmm. has been reliably has been lighting, right? right? Wouldn't it be interesting though, if it turned around and said, you know, hey, if you want to get these health effects, what we have to do is increase the wattage of all these fixtures because we need to do all this other fancy stuff. Yeah. So sorry, uh, but we're lighting's going to grab back all that energy we saved, and we're going to use it to deploy these healthy lighting systems. Are these fixtures energy efficient? Are they? Do they? um, They're
2: less energy efficient than what we're used to because you've got three drivers in there to get the complexity. Um, So you are trading off efficacy. So, and that's a fair point. That's you know uh, Bob Davis at PNNL um, did a presentation at the annual IS conference this summer. Saying, hey, you know, here are the energy effects of all this that mm-hmm. we're heading towards with lighting for human health. We need to anticipate that there could be at least certain times a day. You can have an increase in energy. At the worst. If times it's too, two to probably. three hours in the late morning yeah. is when you want that. Um, and say you're running a hospital where you might have three shifts, that peak might happen three times during the day as each shift sure. is their middle of the day, which you know, if you're if you're trying to do a, a profile that works for all three shifts. Um, so, yeah, that's that's reality. And, and the way the the codes and if you look at um, ASHRAE and the expectation is every year it's a drop in energy sure. consumption. I think most people feel we're kind of tapped out in that way that if anything, it needs to go the other way. But you're right. That's a that's a reality of this. And I would say in terms of lighting designers, they are at the front line of this and they're always looking for ways to solve, you know, for them, they get called in on. More the the projects that are the more complex, where they're sure. trying to solve something. Uh, so you're right. This is something that's aimed more at solving those uh, those solutions. But if you think even about um, corridors and corridors and buildings or uh, high end, uh, you look at a fitness sense a center in a a small boutique hotel. You know they're underground. You know, sure, would they use something like this? So it's not going to be. It's never going to be the the. A fixture on a specification or on a project, but it is going to um, it's going to it's going to uh, make a difference in in solving that problem.
1: So yeah, just to confirm that, I guess that was my question. You might have answered it, but I want to double check. <laughs> so it's never going to you're you're saying that this type of technology will never replace your general light source that you use to see what you're doing. I would you're say saying something. it's always going to supplement it.
2: I would say something like a dynamic skylight or something really specialized like that is going to be more of a a feature in, in a space. So there are exceptions to that. You might run into say a an underground uh, you know convention space where they're trying to lease out a space, and this would be a way to turn it into something that didn't feel like a dungeon. Um, but that those would be uh, more exceptions. or you might have a medical center. Uh, At least in the the U.S. market with private healthcare, where it's a high end facility and they've got a bunch of examination rooms, and this is a way to have something nicer or a chemo infusion treatment room where people are stuck there for hours and hours every day, and there's you know one window and everybody fights over the chair by that window. Um, So there might be some places like that where it would be more. But in terms of bringing uh, light for human health into other spaces, I think that is going to be just part of what we think about when we design every space. So it's, it'll probably start on the healthcare um, side uh, first, but then I think over time it's going to. We will just expect. I think we already do expect the move. Every luminaire is is going to be dimmable, uh, and that you may. So you might want to allow for an extra. So you design for the the basic visual task, but then also have some headroom in the in the luminaire, um, so that you can dial it up as we learn more you want your your space to be future-proof so that you can uh in when we have more details on what else we should be doing with this and how to think about it in terms of the amount of light and what time of day that, that can just be programmed into it
1: and from a practical matter like in, actually where do you install it do you need to physically see it at points to feel the effects or does it just felt in the space because you talked about movement yeah so that's what i'm trying to figure out is you actually have to have it like you know, in, in somewhere that you're looking at all the time to feel now, it. it, is it just,
2: sorry. Yeah. I'm probably confusing the two things. The moving thing is more just oh. that, that, that kind of uh, a dynamic sky like I thought gives somebody the sense that it actually is daylight or that it's a, a little you're bit of a daylight. trickster <laughs> no, for <laughs> to actually get the light and have the effect for human health <laughs> is just to have the light. It has to get into your eyes at least. So if sure. it's indirect and we overhead it, it, it has to bounce around in the room and get into the eyes. So you have to do those calculations. Sure. So it, it spectral reflectances matter. So if you've got dark walls like this, you're losing more light. So there are tools out there right now. There's something called Alpha, uh, which works with Rhino software that does, uh, people who are doing the designs can put in the spectral reflectances of all their furniture and figure out with the lighting, the typical lighting system that you were going to tell them to buy, they can plug it in and see what kind of light they get. They have to sort of figure out where are people going to sit and work, which is challenging in a, a lot of uh, office spaces are now have multiple possible layouts, so it does take some more uh,
0: figuring out. There's an interesting sort of uh, our society seems to be fracturing, mm-hmm. okay, into different kind of conceptual frameworks of how to look at the world. You see, like we want to reduce our carbon footprint, like that would be a a generally accepted normative assumption or whatever, right? right? And then we want to improve health and wellness for the naked apes that live in these buildings, <laughs> right. right? And then you have like these competing um, priorities in mm-hmm. a sense, right? And also with that comes the introduction of complexity. Yes. Okay. Right? So now we're also introducing, you know, you used to have squeak, 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 or twist the light bulb <laughs> in and you're done. You order a box of lights from Premier Lighting in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you get your box of lights, you change the light bulbs, and off you go. And now your, your lighting system becomes a, uh, a con- people say, "Well, no, it's simplified. It's run on." Well, I-, I think that the more you introduce, the more complicated. Where is it? Are these two aims—the energy efficiency aim, the low carbon footprint aim, and the human health and well- wellness aims—are they less? Um, what is it? Are they are, are they closer together than I perceive them to be as a lighting distributor? To me, they seem to be opposite aims.
2: Yes, they there is some conflict and that you're going to have to weigh out, but I think that's a pretty typical sort of, um, you have to weigh out for the decision, what things are most important. And you think about if this is a space, depending on how it's being used, if mm. if, if you're um, operating a, a hospital in the U.S. and you can, improve people's health outcomes by delivering the light when they need it and it helps in their healing uh, process because there are you know biological effects of this as well and you can uh, get them out the door a day earlier and have someone else in that bed than that you know that that's part of of being a, a profitable business and having better health outcomes for the people and I think for large employed workforce forces that's that's an important cost too so um, getting our carbon footprint down. We're not talking about huge, um, huge differences for the vast majority of lighting. So the more complex product that I talked about is is more of a specialty or solving a specific problem that's a little bit different the way it does it. But the day to day, you know, luminaires with dimming drivers in them—that's standard fare mm. these days. So I think it will be more as we find out more research more research results. we got lots of research already coming out, but it seems like every time there's more research, it says, oh, it's even more complex than we thought. You know, there are five different types of these um, receptors in our eyes and there are all these different factors. But as we learn more, we'll be able to move on certain types of lighting already and then figure out how to do it more effectively. But I think the big impact on people in general in terms of having more consolidated Sleep and for Alzheimer's patients, same thing. If you can deliver a certain amount of light, then there are hospital. There are several studies and a bunch of studies that have already been done that I'm sure you've heard about from the other people who've been in here. But where they put in this kind of lighting in spaces, Uh, so the Swedish um, Health Behavioral Unit in Seattle that was done, that DOE did a report on. uh, They basically were in a they'd added space in between two floors in a hospital. They had not much access to daylight, so they did just light that that in their common areas and where they activity and dining area, where the light would go from warm in the morning to uh, cooler midday and higher light levels, and then back down to warm for the um, late day and evening. And it it had multiple effects. So it ended up consolidating the sleep for, for people who had more broken sleep patterns because they weren't getting enough daylighting. Uh, it'll, it allowed people to be more calm. They had fewer incidents in the space. So we're seeing, and, and that's just one study, so you need multiple studies and you need to be able to um, uh, to get it peer-reviewed and then also replicate the results. So so we're still early days, but it seems like there are already some effects that aren't expensive to do.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my question, is when do you think it'll actually be? Because from our standpoint, selling lighting has been relatively easy. You, you go from this to this, you save that much money. Right, That's math, right? That's easy. Yeah. This is no no defined process and you can't point to a... Specific study and say you're gonna get this because you do this. Well, Greg's not, smart enough. Point, Greg's not, not smart, smart enough. Greg's not smart enough. <laughs> That's number one.
2: <laughs> this whole but thing is pretty how, daunting. Yeah. How are
1: you gonna make me smart enough so that I can sell it? That's I, my uh, as you can see by my notes here, I'm so I'm, here, s- here, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna this, I'm yeah.
2: gonna throw you.
0: I'm gonna throw like a little <laughs> negative curveball into this. So, sure. I don't know if it's ethical to trick people into thinking it's sunlight. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like I, do you know what I, I don't I'm not sure that and it, are there you know I'm not sure that it, like th- this strikes me as somewhat manipulative in a way mm. you know and and I'm okay with that yeah I'm like I'm not against I'm just like I'm trying to put on you know the host of the show make it interesting hat but to me it's like uh there's there's like when you talked about the the patients that were sleeping better mm-hmm. so literally the the lighting designers tricked them into thinking they were outside or 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 their circadian rhythms succumb to a positive manipulation through electric light. How's that?
2: Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't see it as manipulation. It's if we're going to keep people indoors all day, that's right. not what we were not what we evolved under, and we need more light for these systems to operate. Sure. So I think it's really just delivering what the body needs. And in terms of tricking people, giving people a sense of daylight in a space that's drab and dreary. If they look at it, they know that's not the they know that's not the sky. it's more just the way the space feels to them um when there's when there's some movement in the space so in general, the reaction for people who are experiencing it is like oh that that feels better that's so
0: their circadian rhythms are succumbing to this artificial like you have you have some studies that show that they are sleeping better at night and
2: are having wellness impacts from this so for we're talking about the specific product, not the product but then, no, but, yeah, just, the but just in general light and well, yes, that that I, they're not necessarily having their circadian rhythms reset, but they are getting enough light um that it keeps them from having fractured sleep. So it consolidates their sleep. So they're getting better. They're not waking and that's fascinating, actually. It really is it's a pretty amazing thing to see. So there are a lot of studies, and this is really a huge issue. You know, right now the standard that just came out from UL is based on day, it's described as day active people. So people just in in their workday spaces, it's a whole other issue when we start looking at people who are working shift work around, you know, for, on a long-term basis and working during the night and getting exposed to work in their during the nighttime hours. So you know, that, you know, World Health Association has talked about that as a real, as a carcinogen, that it's dangerous when we disrupt on a long-term basis. So so there are some, for people who are doing shift work, it's a it's a separate, you know, very challenging issue that that there's a lot of research out there, but in most cases we're talking about people who are, we're just in daytime spaces that, where the light level is much lower than it should be, what our mm-hmm. bodies need. Um, and it's it's not just for the circadian clocks, so it's something like 40% of those um, of the, um, where the sensors are going to in the brain are non-circadian. So there are other things that affect mental health and behavior, so endocrine systems and things where it affects our biology if we're not getting enough light. So it seems the more that is found out about this the more um the more reason there is to try to figure out what the you know how we can get more light delivered and what the right way is to do it so obviously the way we've been installing lighting in the ceiling which most of us are doing is a bit challenging in terms of getting the light down where mm. where people need it and it needs to be comfortable for people so i think this is going to be the great challenge to the the lighting community to industrial designers um to figure out what what can we do and certainly in most leds we've just taken the existing form factors that we had, Mm -hmm. troffers, downlights, whatever, and just jammed LEDs in there, um, you know, Mm -hmm. some more elegantly than others. Um, But maybe there are other ways to integrate lighting into the building Mm -hmm. envelope. But it's really challenging when you're right, the day-to-day is that people just come in and say, give me whatever I need for this space that I'm doing right now.
1: Whose, Whose role is it to determine the health effects of lighting? UL is doing standards. IES is working on it. DLC, Lighting Research Center, manufacturers like Cree. Mm-hmm. Who's, got, who's in charge of this? Is it anybody's game right now? Is there Get, a grip on that that <laughs> Get a grip on lighting. Get a grip on Let's lighting.
2: Get <laughs> <laughs> a it's lot in, of different on lighting. I think it's in everybody's interest to uh, be part of it. I, to me, it's the, the whole lighting community owns it, I would say, in a broader way. But c- certainly it's the researchers that we look to to do the research. And there are, there are, we have lots of great research institutions um, that are doing great work in this. Uh, so L- LRC um, and they they participated on the on the UL uh, committee on the IS committee. We've got um, Bud Brainerd from Jefferson University of Philadelphia worked on the NASA stuff. Um, Stephen Lockley from Harvard, Jennifer Veitch, obviously from NRC. So, and there are lots more um, working on this. PNNL. Um, Everybody is keeping tabs on it. There's a workshop at the end of this month that DOE and IS are holding jointly. Um, So I think, and manufacturers in most cases like us and others are working, we would, we would work with LRC or whatever organization to say, Hey, um, here's some products, you know, can, can we work on this? And we, we work um, to try to support and get Research that's independent that they do um, to try to say are we on the right track with with a certain product. So we're all waiting to get more information back, and then it's up to the standards organizations. And I mean, IS is the ANSI organization for stand for lighting in in North America, and mm-hmm. and it's a consensus base, so it does take longer. And we've got all those different voices, and the researchers honestly, they don't all agree because some of them feel like. should move ahead right now. Some feel like, hey, wait, we've got more to figure out right now. And this is too important to just start. And some of them say, no, let's get going right now. We can do it right now in places where people have to sleep there overnight. um, There are some things we know right now where we can at least start on what we know right now, but there isn't total agreement. And there are also different methods for calculating the stuff we're talking about. So you can do these calculations to figure out because all our standards have been based on horizontal light levels on a work plane or on the task. This is different. It's at the eye and it mm. has to get into the Nobody eye. Nobody walks around like this. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody might wear a ball cap <laughs> in the office and that changes too how much light's getting into your eye. No, no. So oh, okay. so there's a lot more to figure out. But I agree it's complex. Yeah,
0: I, you know what? I think that's the tip of the spear. Mhm. You know what We're I'm in saying? In the early days. Yeah, yeah and but you know what what really what really strikes me as with this whole um uh there is a, and I don't want to get spiritual here, but sometimes I do. <laughs> there, there is it's a lot of aspects Monday. to light. light. That, yes. You know, in a sense, we're creatures of the light. Mm-hmm. All of our energy comes from light from the sun. And, you know, we've had a lot of interesting people on this podcast that come to us and talk about the IR effects of natural light right. that are absent in, art, in artificial or electric light. There's a lot of angles to this, and I, I, think, it, I think it's it, when this is discovered, or when we, we figure out, or when we carve away all the bad to a point where we think we've accomplished something, it will mark an epoch in human existence. Mm. I really believe that. Because there is a sense, like, I mean, we're, on a, we're spinning around a light ball in a right. way. You understand right. what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, it, it, that light ball is attaching us somehow. Right. And so there's like a, a spiritual, philosophical, conceptual, practical, all sorts of elements related to this and I think when we when we figure out how light works, what it actually is and what it does for us and how we receive it and interact with it, and that whole fish in water kind of mm-hmm. metaphor. Becoming aware. Becoming aware of it. I think it, 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 will, it will be an epoch in human existence. And from there, all will be different. Right. I really, truly believe that.
2: I, I think it will change a lot. And, and it really has only been a decade and a half since we... Even realized um, that lighting is more than just something to show us how to do a task and get around in a space. That it has this other huge, many huge other impacts on our bodies,
0: um, our so, minds, our spirits, yes, our souls, everything.
2: So Who we that, are in the universe. A lot, a lot to learn. So, so I understand people are impatient. Say, "Oh, why is this taking so long? You know, can't we just get on with it?" And and there probably are some things we can start doing now without doing harm. But there's a lot of concern within the lighting design community too, about they don't want to be prescribing lighting. Don't ask us to be doctors, you know, but the reality is every day right now we are, <laughs> by what you sell out there at the sure. counter, um, You, there is product that we're putting into spaces right now that's having an impact um, for good or bad on on people. So I think it's really, this is all important to all the stakeholders in in the uh, lighting community.
0: Shirley Coyle from Cree Lighting. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Thank you. Happy really to be here. It. Thanks very much. Thank you
1: very much, yeah.
2: Thanks,
0: Greg. com has gone circadian, man. Go to K-U-R-T-Z-O-N. After a million hours,
1: they've gone circadian, Greggy. (laughs) That's right. They have a variety of their fixtures, including one of your favorite ones, the anti-ligature.
0: Ooh, we love those anti-ligature ones.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know why? Because every
0: time I record one of these podcasts... I feel like I want to hang myself. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Oh, the anti-ligature fixtures are up there.
1: You can't do it there. And now they have circadian capabilities with their partnership <laughs> with BIOS. So they have it in a variety of their fixtures. They have it in spec grade. You know, Curtson just knows what they're doing. They've been in business. One of the longest out of any lighting company out there. And they You're keep up going there strong with GE, dude. They are, man. That's a long history. Great company. Go check them out.
0: Go to K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com. Maybe that's Kurtson.com Almost a million hours or over a million hours, something like that. Long time, brother. Almost as old as Canada. And uh, they've gone circadian. So go get them. K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. What are we doing? We're getting together. We're going to have a little, what do you call it? A shindig. Down in Biloxi, shindig. Mississippi. Come on, man. <laughs> April 19th to 23rd. We're shindigging it up. Down in the down in the great state of Mississippi, I can't wait to go, Greg. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. The convention itinerary is out now, and it, and it's one of the it it is the best convention you can go to if you're lighting distributor, hands down. Because we're talking about what we need to do to be relevant in this business and to grow and to succeed in the future. That's what this convention is all about: get people yeah. together, talk it through, plan for the future, have success, everything you need. You know go what's funny that is that
0: I can't wait to see the social media presentation. Because it's like, can you sell light bulbs on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about, you know, um, my wife uses Pinterest like crazy, dude. Okay. She's Pinterest yeah, yeah. crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Pinterest, Pinterest, Instagram, Pinterest. Right. And then I've seen these two, like sometimes Instagram's super devious because I'll get the weirdest ad on Instagram. That's like totally what I need.
1: That's <laughs> true. Sure.
0: It's so no weird. do yeah (laughs) dude it's like oh god it feels so gross but you know what at the end of the day if we can we sell light bulbs on instagram i think there's gonna be a raucous debate over that at the convention man
1: that'll be awesome
0: yeah i'm gonna be mediating the discussion so if you like me hey maybe you'll like the convention too and so go to nald.org check out the itinerary register now it's time to do it man get down to biloxi mississippi and, of and course, if you don't
1: like Mike, um, I'll be there. If you like me, or if you don't like either of us, there'll be other people that you like. But there's <laughs> also going to be an,
0: adverti- <laughs> an an autograph signing picture session with the Group on Lightning Podcast. <laughs> you can sit with us and take a picture. And we'll we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll sign your uh, your convention badge for you if you want. <laughs> 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 no, just kidding, man. You can come hang out with us though. Have a couple beers. We're doing a pool party on Monday as well. We're gonna be live streaming, hopefully live streaming from the pool party, if it all technically works out. So put a, bring a t shirt and your flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley Coyle. Hey, that was fun. Thanks for coming into the studio. We always love it when people come in the studio, Greg. It's always better in person.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. That was a good good discussion we had with her, an interesting product. I'm excited to see where that goes too.
0: Uh, you know what's uh, it's interesting Because that's the first thing That was one of those things When when they sh- I saw that Cadient troffer Is that what it's called, Cadient? Yeah, that's the name Yeah, Cadient yeah, yep. Right? And you see it It's like, wow That's that's all, almost like augmented reality in a way mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like a form of augmented reality It's like, we're going to play a trick on you To make you think this is a skylight
1: Right, so you don't have to go outside You can stay in here all the time it's moving through. It's nice.
0: Is, but is that one of those Google tricks where it's like, we'll get you to stay at work longer by doing your laundry.
1: You, you know what I'm saying?
0: I I, yeah. I don't know, man, but it's just like, it's really interesting to see this. This industry's on the cusp of something huge with the circadian stuff, health effects and all this. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's just something's going to happen that's going to blow everybody's mind and then the price is going to go down by
1: 90%. Then we'll sell it and we'll all have success. <laughs>
0: We're slinging daylight now, folks. Come on down. <laughs> what do you got? I got me some skylights just like the sun. Yep. You put them in your office. It's going to be like the sun. You know what's interesting because I actually think that's possible.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Like they too. grow
0: they grow coral with those 10,000 Kelvin lights. You ever you ever sell any of those weird light bulbs? Every now and then we'll get a weird order.
1: Every now and then, yeah, yeah.
0: Some weird order for some weird light bulb. And uh, it's like, wow, well, how did this come up, right? And then, you, you know, it's, it's how did you grow coral? Like you can grow coral with a 10,000K fluorescent bulb or HID bulb? Wow, that's pretty wild. What can we actually do if we figure this thing out? It's crazy. But you know what? Yeah. If you want to be on top of everything, folks, just stay tuned. Get a grip on lighting podcast. Because we'll be jumping on it like a, like white on rice. Bye for now.
2: Written on the rectory wall
0: There's a sign there for all You are lost The Lord is there to find you